This is Jerry the King Lawler, and you're listening to Marking Out. This is Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk for Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Follow on Twitter. Pro Wrestling Talk for Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk for Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Spread it like this. Pro Wrestling Talk for Pro Wrestling Fans. We Marking Out, y'all. Marking Out. Pro Wrestling Talk by Pro Wrestling Fans. Welcome to Markin' Out, pro wrestling talk by pro wrestling fans. This is episode 546. I am one of your hosts, Dave, the Rave, and also I am alongside here with Brandon. Make sure you go check us out on Instagram and on Twitter collectively, Markin' Out. You can check us at Markin' Out collectively at BTTG161 at DaveVidPT. DPT. And also check out Chris Swindog. Chris is not with us this week, but you bet we are going to give you a great show. Make sure you check us out, marketout.com, Google, Apple, Stitcher. Doesn't matter where you are, wherever you listen, just subscribe. Go ahead and listen. Go ahead, review. Buy the t-shirt on ProWrestlingTees.com slash out. Check us out on Twitch and all of that fun stuff. Hey, Brandon, how are you? I'm doing awesome as always, and yourself? I'm doing uh, doing great, you know? That's a long-winded intro we got there. Yeah, how was, uh, how was your week? Uh, week was good. How about yours? Uh, well, it was fine. Didn't really do much this week, so just watched a lot of professional wrestling, which we'll cover throughout the whole episode. And nice. Awesome. That's about awesome. It, yeah. Well, I agree with you. I watched a lot as well, and it kicked off with Money in the Bank. Yeah, they uh, they aired on the pre-show, uh, the kickoff show, I should say. The Usos picked up the victories over the victories for the Mysterios to become the new SmackDown Tag Team Champions. Very a lot of people surprising. had problems I mean, this is with the... this. No, I don't see. I don't have a problem with this at all. And this was in front of a live crowd, which was in- incredible. So, well, okay. So I'll say this: there was a cool entrance for the Mysterios. I don't know what it was a reference to, but it was cool. I uh, um debatable. It, it reminded I, it me very, of Lucha it was Underground. Corny. It was very corny. <laughs> uh, I thought it was the, corny. But the crowd was hot for everyone in the match. Yeah, the crowd was very behind it. Uh, a great opener. I like Jimmy getting hit with the 619 when Rey Mysterio went to give it to Jay. Yeah, that was an awesome save. And then Jay held Jimmy's back when he was pinning Rey Mysterio to pick up that victory. Yeah, I thought that that was a great tag team assist right there with the uh, using the feet to kick his brother, like hold him into that position. And I think to kick off the night, starting with the title changes, was incredible, especially in front of that live crowd. The the reason why most people are taking uh, are are upset with it is because of that DUI. Of course, you know. Uh, what can you do? What can yeah. you do? Well, just hope that he's getting help that he needs. Exactly, exactly. That's I feel like that's the most important thing is that he's getting the help that he needs. And it's not to say that we can't uh, like. Who knows what's going on behind the scenes with him and alcohol and any of that, you know, but we'll leave that for the closed doors discussions. Uh, Next up, you had money in the bank ladder match. The women's uh, ladder match was 
taking place with Liv Morgan, Nikki A.S.H., Zelina Vega, Naomi, Asuka, Natty, Tamina, and Alexa Bliss all in one ring. And this match was awesome to follow up with that Usos match. I mean, there were it had some good spots. It was a bit chaotic. Um, I like the know. Alexa Bliss see... aspects in this match. Mm-hmm. I I I liked the. I didn't think it was as chaotic as any other uh, Money in the Bank match. I thought chaotic. There weren't as many spots as like you would see in the a men's Money in the Bank. Which I I'm okay with because I feel like the more spots you add, the more risk is involved. But like chaotic, also chaotic in the in the sense that we're like at one point I I don't know if it was like very early on in the match we got like that whole thing where everyone does their finisher or signature on you mm-hmm. that they reserve for like those multi like normally like a five on five or four on four three on three sort of match yeah I but, thought that that was fine I mean we we've seen that though before in. Money in the Bank matches and in, uh, what is it, Elimination Chamber matches where it's finisher, finisher, or signature, signature stuff. Um, I thought that overall, I love the spots that were involving Zelina Vega. They really played up Zelina Vega a lot. Yeah. Which is, which is surprising to me, considering that she's the freshest one back after everything. And she was really spotlight in the, spotlit in this match. Tamina and Natty... Uh, Natalia were incredible as a tag team in this too. They were near unstoppable, uh, demolishing so many of the the competitors. Alexa Bliss, you mentioned about the uh, the spooky aspect where she tried to like call the Money in the Bank briefcase to her. Dude, I was hoping we would see like movement or something. That would have been cool. That would have been cool if it started moving. I'm unfortunately they may have not thought of that one. <laughs> um, but, but it was a completely yeah. unexpected outcome. Yeah, I loved, I loved the outcome of it and the way it happened because you had everybody battling on the ladder, and of course, I feel like everybody was thinking was looking at Liv Morgan because she was really the one going in with the the crowd support and everything. So everybody's watching Liv Morgan, everybody's battling up there, and then out of nowhere, you had Nikki just climb the ladder very quickly and just while everybody's battling each other just go ahead and grab the briefcase yeah it was perfect i was definitely very pulling well for done. Liv morgan but uh I'm, i was very happy to see nikki win that i totally agree with you and i guess that goes to show you about everybody's that was bashing her and this new gimmick i mean i still don't get it but of but course, I'll but I'll get I'll get different. you theories. I mean, look how many people bashed look how many people bashed Alexa Bliss when she first started doing this gimmick. Right. You know? Well, I mean they it's, still it's, do, so. They still do. I, I think that it's a great it's great to for them to explore their um other characters. Why not? You know? After this we saw AJ Styles and Amos pick up the victory over Viking Raiders to retain the Raw Tag Team Championships. The crowd cheering for AJ and Amos surprised me versus the Viking Raiders. Really? I wasn't surprised by that. I expected them to cheer AJ and Amos. I 
wasn't surprised by that at all because, um, let's face it, they're a comedic tag team together. And they're also very entertaining because of the just everything that they've been doing backstage and in the ring is just highly entertaining. So I expected the big crowd support. But I'm also kind of disappointed with this because, like, first of all, the match itself was spectacular. That aided Hurricane Rana that AJ Styles did to the outside was fantastic. I can't remember the last time we saw AJ move like that. But that was awesome. I was disappointed that Viking Raiders didn't win because previously AJ Styles and Amos have not defended the titles in, like, the the span of 30 days, it's been over that. So hopefully they really start to defend them now. Exactly. I know. After that, though, we saw Bobby Lashley retain the WWE Championship, defeating Kofi Kingston. I thought the, uh, the 3D graphics for Kofi's entrance with the Kofi as Mario was cool. That was That was hilarious. I loved it. But uh, it, it, it wasn't a squash match. We saw Kofi start off pretty hot, but we all could have seen course, the ending. Yeah, the end was just Lashley dominating Kofi. Yeah, we had three dominators and a, a second hurt lock to pick up that victory. Yeah, he he had Kofi going limp at the end of the match. You know, he just totally beat him up. I, I would have preferred next... that the referee just called it rather than Kofi tapping. Yeah, I was actually surprised that the referee didn't call it, especially on the hurt lock. And um, yeah. But next up, you had Charlotte pick up the victory over Rhea Ripley to become the new women's champion. Um, which, by the way, I... is infuriating to me. <laughs> Explain why? 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 Well, I. So yes, I understand Charlotte has not been Raw Women's Champion since 2017. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, because she was NXT. But, and also, I think SmackDown, but, like, this feud started with, I don't need a championship. And here we are. That's true. But they lost the fans as soon as this match started with We Want Becky Chance. Charlotte flips them off. And they eventually get the the, the fans back. Rhea Ripley overpowered Charlotte with that, that suplex spot. And it turned into a pretty decent match between the two of them. Yeah. I like that natural selection from the top rope. Yeah, that was a nice change of things because I, I hate that finisher. I think it's too basic. So from the top rope, hitting it from the top cool. rope. Yeah, from the top rope, it definitely added a little bit more uh, bang to it, you know? And also, so that, I, was I really mean, that has not that. been a finisher of hers. So, What do you mean? Like, she's using the figure eight always. That's true. Well, I mean, she's picked up the victory with uh, with that move before. So, but, the outcome of yeah. this match, though, or the end, I should say, I mm-hmm. don't understand it. She used the steel steps to crush Rhea Ripley's leg in them. Rhea Ripley was DQ'd for using the top of the commentary table at Hell in a Cell. How is this any different? This is even worse, I'd say. I, yeah, I feel like Bret Hart's been DQ'd for that. So back in the day, after this match, man, 
Peacock started to goof and heavily glitch. Oh, that was so annoying and frustrating. Like, it was glitchy throughout the night, but this was, like, top-tier what the absolute hell is going on. All all I wanted to see was Shinsuke Nakamura's entrance. Dude, I wanted to hear Boogs hit that high note when he says Nakamura's name. (laughs) I know, and Peacock just... Everywhere else in the world is like, "Eh, we don't know what you're talking about. United States as a whole, they're like, what the hell? Yeah. The UK was just like, eh, we're good. Sorry. Sorry, US. But Big E picked up the victory over Kevin Owens, Shinsuke Nakamura, Matt Riddle, Ricochet, Drew McIntyre, Seth Rollins, and Joe Moe to win the money in the briefcase. Awesome. Yeah, definitely a lot more um, high-flying spots in this match than the women's match. Um, I liked Seth Rollins and John Morrison teaming up during this. Mm-hmm. Like, it didn't really make sense, but it also, at the same time, made sense, given that he's Johnny Drip Drip, and Seth Rollins talks about how much drip he always has, if I use that word correctly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Talks about his drip. So it was interesting, yeah. but uh, we saw Veer and Shanky come out during this and beat three McIntyre up, and Jinder Mahal uses a steel chair. They drag him off out of the match. I was hoping to maybe see R-Truth show up and try to climb the ladder. But that didn't happen. Some of those spots were super brutal with Kevin Owens landing on that ladder. No, oh, that was a rough point. spot. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, of course, oh, yeah, I was pulling for, sure. for John Morrison. It looked like maybe that was going to happen. But, I'm again, I'm very happy with Big E as, as a, a winner. Yeah, it's his first Money in the Bank briefcase uh, win. Honestly, so, I would have been happy. It was with... his first what? First match, no? Um, ooh, I think uh, it was his first. I think it was his first Money in the Bank briefcase ladder match. For but Big I would have e. been happy with almost anybody here winning. I think the only um, people I wouldn't have been happy with was Rollins and Drew McIntyre. Yeah, I think I wouldn't have been happy with McIntyre and Rollins. Rollins I would have been happy with. McIntyre, no. But in the main event of the evening, you had Roman Reigns pick up the victory over Edge. What a reaction to both of these entrances, especially Edge. I think Edge, that, it's, that I, for me, Edge, I think, had a bigger pop on SmackDown. Okay. But this had this was a very slow paced match, and the fans enjoyed the hell out of it. Yeah, I think I like that, the that barricade spot where Edge moved out of the way, sending Roman Reigns through the barricade, and he got pissed that it wasn't him to do it, so he then speared Roman Reigns through the other part of the barricade. I don't know if we've seen something like that before. Mm-hmm. In regards to barricades, where it's like, oh, he goes through the barricade. It's normally like that's one and done. Yeah, we've we probably seen two barricade spots, but I'm just not certain. Um, yeah, I'm not too sure. Roman Reigns, I'm not too sure. Hits Edge with the Superman punch, and Charles Robinson takes a, a referee bump there. Roman Reigns grabs the chair, stomps on it to get that piece to lock Edge in the crossface. Edge gets out. Locks the crossface on with the chair piece. The Usos get involved. 
But the Mysterios run down, take them out, and then Seth Rollins shows up, super kicking Edge. Edge re- recovers from that. With a, he, he countered Roman Reigns' spear with the spear, but there was no ref. Rollins comes back out, Reigns hits Edge with the spear, picks up that victory. Really mm-hmm. good match. Yeah. To me, I it think reminded that as me a, of, of watching something from like the, the 70s. Yeah, I think that the main event, it totally lived up to everyone's expectations. Seth Rollins then, after the match, beats Edge down. Um, Rollins gets in Roman Reigns' face saying that he's going to be next. But Edge attacks him. They fight through the crowd. Roman Reigns grabs a microphone and says, The whole world can acknowledge me now. And then, John Cena. Do, 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 do. (laughs) (laughs) And everybody, like, I was expecting somebody to come out there. I was expecting more than likely John Cena to come out there. But it was still, like, one of the craziest pops in, like, recent history. Like, Edge had a huge pop on SmackDown. John Cena was like ten times that. It was insane. I, I know I popped huge for it. I was talking to one of my friends. We were doing, we were creating abstracts for a research presentation that we're going to be submitting. And out of once John Cena appeared on TV, I was just like, "Hold on, I have to show you this. Check out this crowd." <laughs> and then I, I moved the computer to the TV to show her. John Cena's entrance and all the crowd. I'm like, this is awesome. This is this is what marking out is. This is what pro wrestling is right here. This moment. And she thought I was crazy, of course. But she appreciated it. And I was just like, I don't know. I don't... Whether you love John Cena or you hate John Cena, that right there, that moment, that's pro wrestling. Yeah, that that's was That's entertainment. I, yeah, I loved it. John Cena goes into the ring, gets in Roman Reigns' face, and points up to the WrestleMania sign. That's just a joke. There's no WrestleMania sign. (laughs) But if this was WrestleMania season, that's what would happen and signify the match between the two. My, I think, biggest question out of this segment, why did he too sweet? I don't understand. Like, the last time we saw John Cena, if I'm not mistaken, was WrestleMania 36 inside the Firefly Firefly Funhouse (laughs) where he was part of the NWO. Mm Mm-hmm. So maybe it's just, like, a little thing, like, NWO for life? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's weird that he tossed it up, but it causes speculation and everything. Oh, and I don't think it causes speculation. I mean, Jay White just appeared on Impact with everyone. <laughs> I mean, dude, uh, the Bullet you, Club is everywhere. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, you. I'm I mean, just if saying. If you're talking you, about Bullet Club in WWE, you got AJ Styles, you got Finn Balor. You don't have. And John now you Cena. have John. You have Jeff Jarrett now, as well. Now you got JC. Jesus. Now you got JC. Now you got John oh Jesus Cena Christ was in the crowd as well. That's a uh, a staple of the uh, the AEW fandom. That's a, he was in the crowd for the AEW shows last week. Ah, there you go. Well, Bullet Club, 
take it over. But, alright, let's get on. Let's talk about some Monday Night Raw. Monday Night Nitro. Which kicks off with the kid from West Newberry, Massachusetts, John Cena. Basically just saying that the fans brought him back. Roman Reigns brought him back. He wants the Universal Championship at SummerSlam. And then Matt Riddle came out and they just broed together. <laughs> which was a fun segment. I'm excited for John Cena's return and everything. Yeah, this kicks off like, John would... Cena's the, the Summer of Cena. Yeah. It's not just... It's, he's not just doing SmackDown, where you would think perhaps he'll probably just be doing SmackDown because... He's going to be feuding with the SmackDown Universal Champion, Roman Reigns. But no, he's doing SmackDown. He's doing some uh, house show, live event super shows. He's doing Monday Night Raw. He's doing it all up until SummerSlam at Allegiant Stadium in Las Vegas. I feel like you can't dislike John. I feel like if you dislike John Cena, you're just disliking him because it's like cool to dislike John Cena. You know, the guy legit does so much good in the world. And he, I mean, look at him. He's the top dog. He doesn't need to go to SmackDown Raw, do house shows. He doesn't need to do all of that. You know, but he he does at times. I, I think he's great. I, I forget. I saw a, uh, a sign. I forget exactly what it said, but somebody had a side-by-side. One of them was a uh, from One Night Stand, If Cena Wins, We Riot. Mm-hmm. And the other one was like, if Cena returns something, something, I forget what it was, but it was like, it was funny. It was like a, a positive one in yeah. regards to John Cena returning. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was funny, but I don't remember yeah. what the sign said at this point. I couldn't even remember. But that, that segment with uh, John Cena and Matt Riddle leads into Matt Riddle and the Viking Raiders teaming up to defeat John Morrison, AJ Styles, and Amos in a three-on-three match. We saw Riddle use the drip stick here on Amos and then throw it back at Miz. So Amos went and chased after Miz, who was still in a wheelchair. AJ Styles trying to hold him back. And uh, Johnny... John Morrison uh, went after him. Amos tossed John Morrison into the ring and lost to the Viking Raiders. Good old, and uh, then the Viking Raiders get another shot at the titles next week for some reason. For some reason. Well, Which may have, some... that has me thinking that uh, they're going to pick up the victory next week. I, don't, I hope not. I hope not. It is way too entertaining to have the both of them together. I mean, but, it doesn't. That's just, who says they're going to split up. They shouldn't split up. They should not split up. Yeah, but even if they win, if they lose the tag team championships, who's to say they're they're going to split? They should never split. They can ever. still have fun. But yeah, but someone that should split is definitely this next match: Symphony of Destruction match. Jackson Riker defeated Elias, and hopefully this. <laughs> just stops i i don't know if this was the uh the right match to put in front of a uh a first raw with fans since march 2020 the crowd though fully behind elias although they popped for when uh jackson Riker hit that superplex through the the two tables yeah so uh, i don't know if we needed a symphony of destruction match i hope the feud is over 
I hope you, Elias you, goes on to bigger and better things. You know the truth. You know the truth. We did. We did not need that match. No. We After this, though, that. we saw Mansoor ask Sonya Deville and Adam Pearce to set up a tag team match for him and Mustafa Ali next week. Ali comes into the picture and questions it. He's like, I didn't sign up for this. I don't want that. But then he eventually agrees to it. So Mansoor and Mustafa Ali will be teaming next week on Monday Night Raw against a team unknown so far. Probably Lucha House Party or something like that. Uh... I don't know. I always hope it's something better. After that, we saw Charlotte Flair and uh, her championship coronation. She came out, mentioned that she could beat Rhea Ripley any night of the week. Rhea Ripley came out, and they're like, well, if you can beat me any night of the week, fight me. Charlotte says no, and then Sonya Deville and Adam Pearce come out, and they make the match for later on. And then Charlotte ends the segment by kicking Rhea Ripley's knee out. Great segment. I was a fan. Uh, I, I thought it was good. Decent segment. Yeah. I just again, it's like, urgh, I don't need this match again. Uh yeah, that's the one downside. But after don't that, we it. saw Natalia and Tamina pick up the victory over Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax. Reginald gets involved, which distracts Shayna Baszler. And then, after the match, Nia Jax hits Reginald with a headbutt, and he goes down. Yeah. She, uh, she leaves him. Totally separating them. And I was like, oh, that sucks. He's going to be written off TV. And then, out comes the chase for the 24-7 championship. Akira Tozawa gets in the ring. Reginald pulls off some Cirque du Soleil stuff. Hits some moves on Akira Tozawa and picks up the victory and and successfully wins the 24-7 championship. And it was incredible, you know? And then he got to evade everyone. Yeah, he's definitely a fun superstar to look out for. Yeah, I'm really happy that he is 24-7 champion. And I feel like this is a great way for him to also get a ton of the crowd, crowd support, even more so. I feel like the crowd definitely supports him already. Yeah. Um, especially now that Nia Jax turned on him. And this is going to be a lot of fun to watch. And a lot of people but, are still, oh, getting rid of the 21st Women Championship. I, from the start, fans pretty much have enjoyed it. Yeah, those fans just don't know any better. That's what. It's that's, a fun title. Like, I don't understand. Yeah, I I agree with you. It's a fun title. It made our truth But next up you had Sheamus. WWE history. Yeah, right. Look at the record book, brother. Uh, next up, you had Sheamus pick up the victory over Umberto Carrillo. Um, I thought Umberto to me, this was going to win this. So I was surprised that he lost. Me. Yeah. I think it, it still sucks because he cut that super fired up promo last week and then lost two weeks in a row. Yeah. It definitely didn't do too much for me. I mean, I'm a fan of of uh, Sheamus's new uh, gear and everything like that, but <laughs> his face, I, his face mask, yeah, his new uh, yeah, entrance his, was just, like, I don't even know what that was. It was pretty cool though. I don't know. I, I'm over Carrillo versus Sheamus though. Yeah, but I, I want like 
Can we just get Umberto Carrillo and Angel Garza as a tag team? Something that they're probably both really good at together since like hello probably, that's what probably they're probably wanting to do they've done their family yeah. it makes sense like what the hell mm-hmm. I know. after that match we had bobby lashley's open challenge where mvp spoke about what kofi kingston said the other week and how kofi was right he was right about lashley losing his edge but it set a fire in Bobby Lashley. We saw that at Money in the Bank. And then we saw Keith Lee make his return and answer the challenge. I think Keith Lee, the last time we saw him was February. Um, yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. So great it's to see Keith Lee back. Wish it was under different circumstances here. What do you mean? Well, like, you want to see Keith Lee return and then, like, win? Yeah. I, yeah. I could understand that. But Bobby Lashley picks up the victory over Keith Lee to retain the WWE Championship. But Keith Lee, I mean, I want to see him win, but he looked like a monster compared to Bobby Lashley here. Oh, yeah. He definitely did. I think that, I don't know. I, I want to, now let's see what happens with Keith Lee. I and feel like that's. I feel like he too. has. Yeah, I feel like Keith Lee has a lot of eyes on him, you know, especially after being out of the ring for so long and with all this stuff about oh WWE doesn't like him and everything. I feel like now let's see what happens. Let's see what he can bring to the table. So we're definitely gonna find that out. Next up, you had my pick for. Oh, uh, wait, we didn't yeah. even mention the aftermath. Hello. Oh yeah. Big aftermath. Goldberg comes out. Oh, Lashley's <laughs> face. I'm next. Yeah, almost forgot the biggest aftermath of Monday Night Raw. <laughs> well, <laughs> I guess second biggest. Depending um, on what you ask. <laughs> don't need Goldberg, but if it means Bobby Lashley gets to go over a WWE Hall of Famer, I'm fine with that. I don't think SummerSlam needed Goldberg, but I agree. Again, that'll be a win in the record book for Lashley, hopefully. You know what? I think that no matter, even if you, whether you like him or you don't like him, that crowd reaction to him, that pop, I think that that alone shows that, you know what? Goldberg's still a name. Unless, uh, well, yeah. But uh, maybe in the match we get that, that happening one-on-one, but... Goldberg maybe takes out Lashley or something, and Big E comes out, cashes in, and beats Goldberg. That's been a teased match for quite some time, from like Big E's point of view at least. Too bad Riddle didn't win and then go cash in on him. <laughs> but it won't that even would, be, like, be like Bobby Lashley won't even have to take the pin. He doesn't actually lose the title, even though he did mm-hmm. lose the title. It's Goldberg who took the pin. And that also then puts Big E over huge. Yeah. After yeah, that, though, true. we saw Jinder Mahal come out, speak about Drew McIntyre. We had Shanky sing happy birthday to Jinder Mahal. Drew McIntyre shows up, cracks them with chairs, and absolutely destroys the chair over Shanky's back. 
his back looked absolutely brutal after that attack. Mm-hmm. Absolutely insane. Yeah. I agree. Um, next up, you had carrying across a video package. Um, I guess really just to show the fans what he was made of. Yeah, that, and like, then we go into the actual match. Jeff Hardy picks up the victory over Karrion Cross. No Scarlet. Jeff Hardy has no more words back, which uh, he got a huge pop. He got a huge pop on Monday Night Raw. The crowd did not care about Karrion Cross. Yeah. They were That's all how good his theme song Jeff is. Hardy. And then Jeff Hardy cheated to win for some reason. I'm okay with it. And Cross so, is now defeated. I'm okay with this. Because, alright, so this is my thought process when this happened. First off, no matter what, it's against Jeff Hardy. He, it's, it's, he, he lost to a Hall of Famer. Future Hall of Famer. A, a legend of WWE. Pro wrestling, you know? So, I'm okay with who yeah, he lost to. but it's not to. like Jeff Hardy's been so, built up or anything. Of course, no. But, now here's the thing. It shows that he's not ready for, like now it could be played into, he's not ready for the competition on Monday Night Raw if he can't get through uh, somebody that's been around a few times like Jeff Hardy. And this is where everything happens with Samoa Joe where it could be him, I mean we know the playoff of this, kind of. Like and, I would say not really. I mean, a little bit, but... We know what happens with Karrion Cross. We don't know what happens with him in regards to Jeff Hardy and his Monday Night Raw match. That's true. But the way, the way that I saw it was that it was Karrion Cross being... Doing what Karrion Cross wanted to do. No matter what William Regal said, no matter what Samoa Joe said, he was going to show up on Monday Night Raw because he wanted to. Even without Scarlett Bardot, he was... Or Scarlett... He was going to appear on Monday Night Raw because he wanted to. But he did, so and he ended up losing, which shows that I uh that he needed Scarlet by his by his side. Like I feel like there's so much that could be taken away from this. I mean, I it can could also be that see he, though where people are saying like it kind of makes NXT look bad. I don't think it makes NXT look bad. I, I definitely don't think it makes NXT look bad. I think that it plays into the storyline with Samoa Joe and William Regal because, like Samoa Joe said, William Regal can't control Cross. Now he's going over to Monday Night Raw and not staying on NXT. I feel like it plays right into the storyline perfectly. Maybe we get Jeff Hardy on NXT. Maybe we don't. I'm for that, though. I think that the Jeff, I think that the Jeff Hardy and Karrion Cross is done with. But now... Who knows? Maybe next week on Raw, after everything, Karrion Cross just does like a Brock Lesnar attack on Jeff Hardy. You know, just totally demolishes him. And then he gets back on NXT. And then once again, William Regal can't control Karrion Cross. And he says, you know what, Samoa Joe? I can't control him. You're correct. Samoa Joe versus Karrion Cross. I don't think William Regal's going to show up next week. <laughs> I, um, oh yeah, that's true. That's true. We'll get to that. <laughs> but I mean, but you, you know what I'm trying to lead up to? Like, I feel like it could yeah. easily be spun into something like that where we, maybe it could even be a loser leave NXT match. No, I don't see that. Or Samoa Joe career versus Karrion Cross on NXT. 
or something like that. Like, there's so much that I could spin out of this where I'm not concerned that Karrion Cross lost to Jeff Hardy at all. Well, after that, we saw Alexa's Playground where we had the return of Lily now being sold on WWE Shop. And a few people had Lily dolls at uh, Monday Night Raw. Yeah, apparently uh, Sal's, uh, Sal's girlfriend bought one. Oh. Legit. And it's, it. I don't know. If, if, if I don't know how I would, I kind of want to get a Lily doll just to, like, if I stay somewhere, just to bring with me, leave in the corner of someone's house randomly. I think that would be kind of hilarious. A joke for, like, 50 bucks? I don't think so. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, no, that's not how much it's being sold for. I think it's like 30 bucks, but <laughs> then with shipping and tax, you're up there. $30, that's okay. You know, a, a little a little trick from the dollar store, that, that works. That does the trick, too. Lily is twenty nine ninety nine without shipping uh, and handling. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit too much. Don't break the bank for it. Not Although, I, I mean, I don't know how much they're being sold for at uh, at the actual shows, but ah, the you're, point you're... of this Alexis Playground, we saw Eva Marie and Dewdrop cut it off. Eva Marie was super rude to Lily. And, <laughs> and then Eva Marie goes to leave, and I guess the story being spun there would be that Lily tripped her. <laughs> but... Eva Marie um, and uh, Dewdrop looking like they were straight out of the Flintstones. I don't know where. I mean, obviously, it's going to be leading to a Alexa Bliss versus Eva Marie match, perhaps. But um, yeah, yeah, I, I could see that happening. The main event, but though, we saw next- Rhea Ripley pick up the victory over Charlotte via disqualification. So Charlotte Flair retains the Raw Women's Championship. Charlotte focused on Rhea Ripley's knee throughout the whole match. I liked Rhea Ripley using the figure four on Charlotte. Yeah. But that got reversed. And then Flair goes to grab the title. She goes to leave. Ripley chases after her. Boom. Charlotte clocks her in the head. Causes the disqualification. They brawl, and we're like one minute before Monday Night Raw is supposed to end. Nikki's music hits, and she runs down, cashes in the briefcase. Rhea Ripley's all smiles behind her. And Nikki Ash picks up the victory over Charlotte to become the new Raw Women's Champion. I'm very happy to see this. She had victories over both Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley, leading to Hell in a Cell, where she should have been in that match at Hell in a Cell. Those losses, or not even losses, though the fact that nothing was accomplished from that led her to become Nikki Ash. So the fact that all three of them are sort of like intertwined in this one segment I thought was very good. Mm -hmm. And I'm just happy that she's champion now. It's been like four years since she should have been champion in NXT. Yeah, she she definitely deserves it. The the Uh, one downside of the whole segment and everything is that when they talk about Charlotte Flair being a champion, they talk about her being an 11-time champion. We mm-hmm. have the NXT champion on this program. They refer to him as the NXT champion. He had the championship with him. 
but they don't count it for Charlotte. That's true. They they talk about when other wrestlers, Bailey, Triple Crown. She's won NXT, she's won the, the Women's she... Tag Team Championship, Raw, SmackDown. Huh. But when they count Charlotte's overall, she's at 11 and not 13 for some reason. The you NXT Women's Charlotte Championship Flair. was on WrestleMania last year, but it doesn't count. You should tweet Charlotte Flair about that. Yeah, let me go tweet her. Yeah, dude, she'll it just, respond it, to you. That doesn't make sense, but I'm very happy that Nikki Cross is, is finally champion, and I'm looking forward. Hopefully she doesn't like lose it right away. Yeah, hopefully this isn't like a Zack Ryder kind of a deal with the IC belt. You know? Yeah. I but at never least we remember he the... was champion. <laughs> yeah, right? I don't know. But next up, let's talk about some WWE NXT. Kicking off with Samoa Joe. Um, I thought I like this heavy, just heated promo. About carrying a cross and everything. Yeah, William Regal cut him off and he was like, you can't call out superstars. And Joe was like super pissed off. And he reminded William Regal that it's unless he's provoked. He's like, I'm pretty sure we could both agree that last week me being choked out is being provoked. And William Regal's like, last week you were a WWE official. You were a referee. You were not the enforcer. And Samoa Joe guaranteed William Regal that at the end of the night, by the end of the night, it'll end. But he couldn't guarantee that it would end peacefully. Mm -hmm. He said someone's going to sleep. First match of NXT, though, we saw Kushida and Bobby Fish pick up the victory over Diamond Mine. Um, Bobby Fish and Kushida attacked Tyler Rust and Roderick Strong during the entrance. And I thought it was a really good match, a really good, like, technical match where, like, the move transitions that everyone kept doing were entertaining. And overall, a good match for all four of them. Yeah. They announced NXT TakeOver 36 for August 22nd, the night after SummerSlam. SummerSlam is uh, the warm-up act to NXT. NXT's finally the main event. Still have no idea why uh, SummerSlam is on that Saturday, but maybe it has to do with John Cena's schedule. Maybe mm-hmm. he needed like the day off because he's like apparently supposed to go film something right after SummerSlam is done. So it's cool that we have SummerSlam and then NXT TakeOver the next day, the next night. Mm-hmm. So I pop for that. But after that, we saw Frankie Monet pick up the victory over JC Jane, making her, I think, debut. Um, Frankie Monet has Jesse Kamea come out with her, and then Robert Stone eventually went down to the 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 to the ringside area to cheer her on. But we also saw Mandy Rose come out there, which Jane acknowledged. Kind of maybe distracted her a little bit. Frankie Monet, obviously going to pick up that victory. But here's Mandy Rose scouting talent again. And I don't know if she was scouting talent or if she was just out there with Frankie Monet. I don't know. I don't think she's scouting talent. Uh, that wouldn't, to me, make sense. 
I don't think she's scouting talent at all. Why I would she be out there Frankie. with her? I think she's scouting Frankie Monet as a competitor. I don't I think don't she's know. scouting her as anything more than that. I think she's going to compete against Frankie Monet. And then she randomly disappeared as if she could like teleport. And the commentary is like, where did she go? Makes no sense. Where did she go? (laughs) (laughs) But after that, we had a sit-down interview with Wade Barrett and Bronson Reed. Basically just hyping up Bronson Reed versus Adam Cole next week. Nothing really major to mention. Mm -mm. Match after that saw Kyle O'Reilly pick up the victory over Austin Theory. John um, Johnny Gargano hyping Austin Theory up before the match I thought was hilarious. But he goes, I went out there and did my match by myself. Now you'll go out there and do your match out, out there by yourself. So I thought maybe we'd see Johnny Gargano try to help Austin Theory win this. But he didn't show up. And I liked this match. I liked Kyle O'Reilly kind of snapping when the the steel steps were almost introduced by Austin Theory. And it was sort of a different side of Austin Theory. I like this side of Austin Theory. I think that this is something important that we haven't seen from Austin Theory. Um, yeah. You know, I, especially with the falling to the waist side of Johnny Gargano. I think it's important that we see this different side of Austin Theory right now. Especially since we've seen him be like that goofy character. Yeah. Especially, yeah, throughout this entire Dexter Loomis stuff. And then later on, The Way had a meeting. Indy Hartwell was like, she was trying to tell Candice LeRae to stop being so hard on everyone. She's like, if Austin Theory wants to kiss Dexter Loomis, let him kiss Dexter Loomis, <laughs> which is an obvious proje- a projection of herself onto Dexter uh, uh, onto Austin Theory, <laughs> which I thought yeah. was funny. Austin Theory, th- th- all three of them start arguing. Johnny Gargano, Candice LeRae, and Indy Hartwell. Austin Theory goes for a high five. No reciprocation there. He walks off all sad. During his entrance, he went for a high five. Johnny Gargano obviously wasn't there for it. This could be the end of Austin Theory in the way. And he very well could end up on Monday Night Raw or SmackDown. (sighs) He had that tryout match or whatever, dark match with uh, Davey Boy Smith, Harry Smith. So what, you're going to pair them together or have... Not necessarily to pair them together, but it was just a way to get a uh, a dark match out there for, for two people who seem to be have returned with the company. Mm. I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know. Because we've seen Austin Theory on the main roster before. Uh, I don't know if now's the time for him up on the main roster. I'd rather him stick around on NXT a little bit longer. I mean, I mean that's just my take on it, though. But I would definitely um, rather see him stay NXT. on NXT with the the way as well. But SmackDown's getting a bunch of new faces. Yeah. Yep. Yep. After that, we saw Legato del Fantasma Mariachi Madness Musical, which Santos dismisses the Mariachis right away. 
because he said he changes his mind. He doesn't want to stoop to the level of Hit Row. And he takes a shot at Hit Row and said that taking the that he's taking the North American Championship. Hit Row comes out. They spit some bars, each individually, which I thought was very good. And they eventually get into the ring, and Santos Escobar sends Raul Mendoza and Joaquin Wilde into the fire of sorts, I guess. They get taken out by Top Dalla and Ashanti the Adonis, which leaves Santos Escobar and Isaiah Swerve Scott face-to-face. Santos grabs the guitar, B-Fab takes it away, and Santos escapes. Raul Mendoza gets surrounded by Hit Row, and he gets hit by the, the guitar. I was excited I thought that to hear this mariachi was awesome. music. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's true. I mean, who doesn't get excited to hear that? You know, but I I love hits, uh, Hit Squad. No, Hit Row. I'm going to always do that. I, I love Hit Row. I think that what they have is so entertaining. And I think that this entire thing with the, with, um, Legato. Oh man. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With Legato. I think it's in, it's incredible. It's fun. And I want to see what's going to happen with this. I believe we have a six man tag next week. And I think yeah, obviously it, it in. would more than likely build to SummerSlam weekend. Wrestle, uh, NXT TakeOver 36 with Santos versus Isaiah Swerve Scott for the Cruiserweight Championship. I think yeah. that could definitely be on takeover. Yeah. And then hopefully Swerve Scott picks up the victory. Hopefully he retains. Uh go back and forth. Really? I'm going I hope he retains. Uh, also uh, not the Cruiserweight yeah. Championship, North American Championship. I yeah. Yep, yep. Odyssey Jones, though, picked up the victory over Andre Chase to advance in the NXT Breakout Tournament. Uh, Odyssey Jones from Corum, New York, out east on Long Island. I'll cheer for him. It it, it might be Suffolk County, but I'll cheer for him. (laughs) I think he looks like a beast out in the ring. But this match, I don't think it lived up to what Duke Hudson and Ikaminjiro did last week. I agree with you. I think it it didn't live up to that. But although I do think that Odyssey Jones was awesome. Yeah. I was a I big mean, fan we've of seen him. Andre Chase for years. We knew him, Harlem Bravado. So we knew what what he could do. Odyssey Jones is like brand new. Mm-hmm. So it was a fun introduction on NXT television. We've seen him on believe it or not 205 live. <laughs> Which is funny because he's like 405. Mm-hmm. So that's funny. But uh, I'm looking forward to more Odyssey Jones. I still I still kind of hope Duke Hudson and uh, Josh Briggs make it to the finals. I, I hope so. I think that would be a lot of fun. Uh, next up, you had an MSK interview. MSK, I s- still have to get behind. Still well, got to get behind. What's your take on this uh, in this interview? They were about to tell us what MSK stood for, and it gets cut off by a uh, video package of Imperium. So I also have to assume, come take over 36, that it's going to be MSK versus Imperium for the NXT Tag Team titles. 
Even yeah. though Brizago wanted the titles too. <laughs> I still can't believe that. I still can't believe yeah. Alexander Wolf's not here anymore too. So stupid. Yeah. Hey, people move on. Unfortunately. Not by choice it. Not by choice at times. Yeah. But after that, we saw <laughs> Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch lay out a challenge to Tommaso Ciampa and Timothy Thatcher for next week. So that match gets set up. Earlier in the night, they showed us footage of earlier in the day where Cameron Grimes showed up to carry L.A. Knight's luggage. Drake Maverick tried to help, but L.A. Knight got into his face and challenged him to a match which then takes place and Drake Maverick picks up the victory over LA Knight because LA Knight was distracted by Cameron Grimes. Drake Maverick got that quick pin and uh, he attacked Drake Maverick afterwards. He said it was all Cameron Grimes' fault that he was doing that and Grimes pulls LA Knight off of him, tries to make him leave. And LA Knight's like, you have to do what I say. I need you to hit him for me. And Cameron Grimes looked very torn, but he ultimately, I mean, he went to go leave and LA Knight pulled him back. He was just like, nah, you can't leave. You got to do this. And he ultimately had to punch Drake. Yeah, he wasn't too happy with it. He was not too happy. Main event of the evening saw Raquel Gonzalez pick up the victory over Zaya Lee to retain the NXT Women's Championship. Tian Shaw was not ringside with her. Boa, I guess he was. Is he was he injured the last time we saw him? Bo? Uh, no. Mm mm. Yeah, didn't he get thrown off the stage by Mercedes Martinez? Mm. I don't know. Yeah. But I liked Zia Lee working on Raquel's knee throughout the match here. It was cool to see her be, like, very dominant in this match. Normally, it'd be Raquel Gonzalez in that dominant spot. Yeah. And, you know, I'm I'm kind of bummed that Zia Lee didn't pick up the victory. But, on the other hand, I'm... There was no way she was picking up the victory. Yeah, there was no yeah, there was no way that Raquel Gonzalez was going to lose. We saw that uh the twisting Vader bomb from Raquel Gonzalez, which led to Zia Lee to get checked out by doctors during the match. Uh, but they cleared her and almost instantly got uh lost the match. Yeah. But it was a very good but- match. I really liked that match. And um just to tie back to the beginning throughout the night, Samoa Joe is waiting for Karrion Cross. He comes out, calls out Karrion Cross, and Cross shows up on the screen and said that being champion means he could do and go wherever he wants, do whatever he wants, and they they pan back, and William Regal was taken out. And he, Brandon doesn't mean, like, taken out to dinner. He was, like, taken out, like, lying on the ground. Uh... We didn't see the beatdown. We could only assume that uh, he didn't tell William Regal to go ahead and lay down and pretend that you got hurt. He probably really attacked him. That's what I think. Just saying. But we're going to find out next week on uh, NXT. Do you think... What what happens if Cross shows up on SmackDown? No. (laughs) 
But that was NXT. Moving over to NXT UK. It opened up with Triple H, Shawn Michaels, and William Regal announcing Walter versus Ilya Dragunov for the NXT UK Championship at NXT TakeOver 36 the night after SummerSlam. So that's really cool. I'm happy that they're going to have a live crowd for that match because their other match was like super awesome. No crowd. So I know this crowd's going to be super hot for that. First match of the evening saw Nina Samuels pick up the victory over Lara DiMatteo. I liked Nina Samuels' new entrance. And uh, she had a new finisher as well. Sort of like a dominator, but it lands into a, um, a knee to the face. So that was cool. We saw a Supernova Sessions with Ginny and Joseph Connors as the guests. Noam Dar basically hit on her the whole time and asked about their relationship, whether it was personal or professional, which it turned out to be professional. And uh, then Ginny turned her attention to Aoife Valkyrie and said that she's going to destroy her. Joseph Connors had a match. He picked up the victory over Tristan Archer, which was a good match here. And if I'm not mistaken, I think this was Archer's first match in WWE since the Cruiserweight Classic Back in 2016, he lost to Cedric Alexander in the first round. So it's pretty cool to see him back in in NXT or WWE in general. Uh, After that, Aoife Valkyrie came out to stare down Ginny. Maybe that match will take place next week. Who knows? Main event, though, saw Pretty Deadly pick up the victory over Subculture to retain the NXT UK Tag Team Championships. Um... At one point, they had piped in this is awesome chance, but honestly, this match was really awesome. I liked they had at one point uh, subculture hit like a leapfrog code red. Mark Andrews hit the code red part of that. I thought that was really cool. Pretty deadly hit an aided code breaker from the corner. Like I, I've never seen something like that before, and I thought that was really cool. I'd like to see both of those moves in WWE 2K22. They, they had a um, subculture hit a Poison Rana and a knee strike, which looked to be the end of the match there, but Lewis Howley made the save there. And then they eventually hit their move, picked up that victory, retained those NXT Tag Team Championships. I don't know who will be the next challengers for those titles, but I'm definitely looking forward to it. And that was pretty much NXT UK moving over to SmackDown. John Cena opens it up, just hypes up the crowd a bunch, kind of pokes fun at the new Cleveland baseball team name, who 100% now shares a name with probably a former New York XFL team. But he did call Roman Reigns out, but Paul Heyman showed up instead and said that John Cena will get his answer by the end of the night, but Roman Reigns will do this on his time. First match of the evening saw Finn Balor pick up the victory over Sami Zayn, which was basically how you'd expect it for a first match back on SmackDown for Finn Balor. Uh, Finn Balor and John Cena, uh, and, and Edge as well, super over with these live crowd fans right now. Uh, after that, backstage, we had Baron Corbin being interviewed about the Corbin Fund. And he said that he thinks his identity was stolen. We saw Big E talk about the Money in the Bank match. Apollo Crews cuts him off 
Cruz gets cut off by the Dirty Dogs. They get cut off by Shinsuke Nakamura and then Cesaro finally. The heels jumped Shinsuke Nakamura and Big E. Uh, Apollo Cruz took off, but Cesaro makes a save in that segment. Cruz comes back into the into the ring, gets hit with a quick swing. This you cut to commercial break. We come back. We're at the Rolling Live Festival in Miami. The Cleveland crowd saw a six-man tag with those six people. TV crowd saw Angelo Dawkins pick up the victory over Chad Gable. Wale introduced the Street Profits. I think the setup for the festival looked absolutely amazing. When WWE first announced they were going to be doing this, I thought it was dumb that they announced that they were going to be doing a split thing from uh, Cleveland and Miami. And honestly, as long as it's a show that I'm not going to, I think I'm all for it because it looked really cool. Somewhat of a standard match. Nothing with Otis and the Street Profits, which sucks because he took both of them out. After that, Bianca Belair picked up the victory over Carmella to retain. And this is the downside of having it at a festival where fans are there to see other people. It was a hip-hop festival. The crowd didn't care about this match. Who were they chanting for during this match? They were chanting for Bobby Shmurda. That's how you know you're you're missing something here. When the crowd is chanting for Bobby Shmurda versus who they're watching, that's a problem. And I don't think this match should have even happened in the first place. Another rematch. It doesn't make sense. But Tegan Knox and Shotzi Blackheart were back back backstage fixing the tank, working on it. Kevin Owens tried to give them some advice. He walks off, walks into uh, Baron Corbin, who apologizes to him. Kevin Owens gives him some money, told him to stop being a jerk to people. Shotzi's tank accidentally fired at Corbin downstairs and the Dirty Dogs take advantage of that, take his money. Kevin Owens chased them off with a chair, so maybe Corbin is is turning face here. Edge came out, like I said, a huge pop. He spoke about Seth Rollins uh, and, and not finishing what he started years ago, but he brings up being in the brood. He brought up being in the Ministry of Darkness. I... Don't really quite understand why, but I popped at that. But Seth Rollins came out and Edge invited him into the ring and said he won't put a hand on him. Rollins makes fun of Edge's neck. Edge, I'm, Edge is like, I lied. Uh, and then they throw down. Ryan Satin tweeted out about how uh, wanting a bloodbath. And I thought that would have been a perfect thing to get Seth Rollins heat. Uh, or, or get one over on Seth Rollins without having to put his actual hands on him because Seth Rollins cares about his drip. So I thought that would have been cool, but I'm thinking maybe uh, come SummerSlam, there could be a stipulation added to this match. So it's not just a singles one-on-one match. After this, Tony Storm makes her official SmackDown debut, picks up the victory over Zelina Vega. New finisher for Tony Storm. I liked the match, but I don't think it was a great debut. I think it should have been longer. So, uh, I think that would be my only complaint. They didn't have much to work with with three minutes. After that, 
Jimmy Uso picked up the victory over Dominic. We saw Jay save him from a 619. They went to walk off. Ray takes Jay out. Dominic takes Jimmy out. He eventually hits a 619, but Jay Uso distracted Dominic when he went for the frog splash. Jimmy hits a super kick out of the midair. And then uh, Jay again ends the match pushing against Jimmy Uso's back so they get the victory. I thought it was a bit of a wonky finish there. Uh, They somewhat recovered. Uh, But Roman Reigns came out and spoke about John Cena. He said John Cena acknowledges him. And then he called Cena a nostalgia act. He said Cena returned with just a brand new coat of paint. Same music, same gear, basically. He could just Google 2005 John Cena and get that. And then denied John Cena his match for SummerSlam. Finn Balor comes out, said that if Roman Reigns isn't interested in John Cena's challenge, then maybe he's interested in his challenge. And the fans were chanting uh, that Roman Reigns was scared, and Roman Reigns accepted. So SummerSlam took a turn there. I don't know how they're... I mean, I still assume John Cena will be the the match at SummerSlam against Roman Reigns. But uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe The Fiend comes back and that's the match. And uh, that was interesting. Uh, after the Rolling Loud stuff, they announced that Atlanta will host a New Year's Day pay-per-view, which is another Saturday pay-per-view. I don't really know why they added this to the Rolling Loud Festival since it's Atlanta and not... Miami, but that's SmackDown. I'm going to take a quick break right now, get a word from our sponsor over at Manscaped, and we'll be right back here on Marking Out. Support for Marking Out is brought to you by Manscaped, who are the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Look, I mean, I've done it. Dave's done it. Brandon's never done it. You're down there. You, sh- you know, shave it up, making sure everything looks clean and fresh, and you get a nick. Get a little cutsky there, and it stinks. It's no, it, it's no fun whatsoever. So that's why Manscaped has redesigned the electric trimmer. It's the ball hair trimmer equivalent of Shawn Michaels versus The Undertaker at WrestleMania 25. When I tell you this is premium. I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave. Because we all know that Brandon's gonna need it. The waterproof technology allows you to groom in the shower. So that way, you don't make a mess all over your bathroom. The one coolest feature is the LED light which illuminates grooming areas for a closer, more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7000 RPM motor with quiet shrug technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand Stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. So that way I can charge my lawnmower 3.0, my camera batteries, and my phone all on the same shelf. Huzzah! If you're listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. Trim that junk of yours and get 20% off and free shipping with the code REGARDLESS. That's one for this uh, read at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code REGARDLESS. That's two for this read at manscaped.com. 
That's 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code REGARDLESS. That's three for the three. And folks, if you want your boomer sooner to be fruity, delicious, fruity, fruity, delicious, fruity, delicious, well, then use the code REGARDLESS to get 20% off and free shipping. That's now four for this read. Don't forget to sauce it. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Marking Out, episode 546. Head over to manscaped.com. Use the code REGARDLESS. Get yourself 20% off and free shipping. You don't have to pick up the lawnmower 4.0. That'd be great. But you could also get some foot deodorant, some body wash, some t-shirts, some boxers. Just head over to Manscaped. Use that code. Get that 20% off and free shipping. Going to move over to AEW Fighter Fest Night 2. Again, name, very dated. But it opens up with the first labor of Jericho match. Chris Jericho picks up the victory over Sean Spears. Spears was able to use a chair while Chris Jericho could not in this match. I thought it was stupid that Chris Jericho tried to use the chair because um, I, I'm pretty sure if he did use the chair, then he wouldn't have had the match with MJF. But Tully Blanchard gets involved, which distracts the referee from seeing Sean Spears tap out at first. Sammy Guevara runs down, backs him away from the ring. Chris Jericho ends up tossing Sean Spears into the chair that Sean Spears set up, and then Chris Jericho wins the match off of that. So technically, Chris Jericho did use the chair, and After the match, MJF gets up on the microphone, and I thought for sure he was going to be like, no, Jericho used the chair, but he said nobody can come out and help Chris Jericho in the next matches. And then announced the labor number two is a no-DQ match next week against Nick Gage. If Nick Gage does not get killed by Matt Cardona on Saturday. Chris Jericho uh, then announced later on that he's bringing back the Painmaker for this match, his New Japan Pro Wrestling character. After that segment, we saw Miro basically say that he'll have another title defense in Jacksonville. We don't know who he'll be defending that title against, though. They're back at Daly's Place in August. The next match, Gallows picked up the victory over Kazarian. Carl Anderson got involved. This distracted him, and Gallows picked up the victory here. Mark Henry literally spoke about fixing things where it's back-to-back of the same exact thing, and nothing has changed yet. So Mark Henry either lied to everyone, or they're not listening to Mark Henry. After that match, we saw Omega and Don Callis come out. Kenny goes to hit. Kazarian with the V-trigger, but Adam Page comes out, so he didn't hit it, which makes no sense because Adam Page took like an hour to get down to the ring. He could have easily hit that V-trigger on Kazarian. But Adam Page attacks the Good Brothers. They beat him down. Dark Order makes the save. We have the Elite versus the Dark Order and Hangman Adam Page next week at uh, Fight for the Fallen. Dasha then interviewed Brian Cage, which they just looked at Team Taz's announcement, which he announced a championship celebration for next week. Brian Cage said he likes celebrations. I thought it was a very weak segment, but it gets the point across. Uh, After that, Darby Allin picked up the victory over Wheeler Yuta. 
they randomly showed Hikuleo, uh, who's in the Bullet Club. Almost no explanation here. After the match, they then explained that he'll be watching the main event, so it doesn't make sense why they showed him then and not before the main event. But they did a thing outside with Orange Cassidy and Sting with the little kicks. Crowd was eating it up. Uh, Sting did Orange Cassidy's gimmick, which distracted Darby Allen a bit. He recovers, eventually wins the match. The Blade attacks Orange Cassidy. So that's now three... Matches in a row with outside distractions. Britt Baker then picks up the victory over Nyla Rose to retain the AEW Women's Championship. I don't think it even has to be said that Britt Baker is probably one of the most over-talents in AEW right now. But four matches in a row, outside distractions. Rebel gets up to distract the referee so Britt Baker could pull an Eddie Guerrero. She throws Nyla Rose the, the championship. Vicky Guerrero then pulls the referee's leg, which it's ref discretion, no DQ, I guess. And Nyla Rose tosses Britt Baker the title back. And she was the one that got caught with the title. But the match continued. Britt Baker was finally able to tap Nyla Rose out with the lockjaw to pick up that victory. They had the AEW press conference for FTR and Santana and Ortiz's match for next week. It gets into a yelling match and randomly cuts off as if it's the the main event of Slammiversary. The end of Slammiversary, I should say, which I'll talk talk about in in a second. After that, Tony Schiavone interviewed Andrade. And Andrade said that he has a surprise for everyone and announced Chavo Guerrero as his executive consultant. It's, I'm I'm happy to see Chavo Guerrero there. I just think it's weird that they had Andrade debut with Vicky Guerrero and they haven't been seen together since. But I'm very happy that Chavo's there. I think it's a good role, uh, a good role for him. He'll be the uh, executive consultant. I guess he could be the mouthpiece for for Andrade to translate instead of those stupid uh, subtitles that we get. But this gets cut off by Death Triangle. Andrade, um, Andrade wants Phoenix and Penta with him. And Penta said that Andrade's not even on their level. And they get in the ring. Andrade leaves. So... I don't know if we'll ever see Death Triangle split up and eventually go with Andrade and leaving Pac behind. But it's something similar to what I wanted with WWE. I wanted Andrade to be like a leader of this huge Latin stable or a Mexican stable. And that's just never happened. Backstage, Christian challenged HFO to a match because of what they did to Marco Stunt last week. So it'll be Christian, Jurassic Express versus HFO, I think next week. QT Marshall said that he'll be getting his apology from Tony Schiavone next week. Maybe somebody uh, makes a save there for Tony Schiavone. Next match, Orange Cassidy picked up the victory over the Blade. Blade fakes an injury in here, tries to take advantage of that, but Orange Cassidy eventually makes a comeback, 
Bunny gets involved. Chris Statlander shows up. Blade tried to use brass knuckles, but Orange Cassidy ducked it and then used them after the match to hit that Superman punch. This is now the fifth match with outside distractions in a row. Main event, Lance Archer picked up the victory over John Moxley in a Texas death match to win the IWGP US Championship. I said it last week. I hated their other two matches. I was somewhat bored with this one. They had another table spot, this time with it being Moxley being choke slammed through two tables with barbed wire boards. And then Moxley didn't make the 10 count, so he lost. The chokeslam spot, I, I could say, was brutal. But as far as the match goes, I hope we never see this again in AEW. Or anywhere. I don't want to see it in New Japan either. After the match, Hikuleo gets in the ring. Gets face-to-face with Lance Archer. And he towers over him. I did not realize how tall he was. He's six foot eight. I thought it was a bit weird that they didn't even like bring up the Bullet Club at all. Because he is in Bullet Club. But that was AEW. Uh, before we move over to Slammiversary, some big rumors swirling in the AEW universe. Uh, one being that CM Punk is in talks to come to a, a company, perhaps AEW. I know his show that he's on called Heels on Stars with Stephen Amell comes out August 13th. So... And we know Stephen Amell has a working relationship with Cody and AEW now. And then I think, I mean, CM Punk is pretty big news, but even bigger news, it's apparently 100% confirmed that Brian Danielson, the former Daniel Bryan, is 100% signed with AEW. Which, that alone is like mind-blowing. I think that's more mind-blowing than CM Punk in, in negotiations with AEW. But the really the only matches that I want to see from Daniel Bryan and CM Punk in AEW would be against Malachi Black. Everyone else, that could just be like all bonus stuff. But we'll see what happens with that. All Out is in Chicago, so wherever, every, everyone's like, oh my God, CM Punk's going to debut it All Out. That's not what the report said. So don't get your hopes up. And then there's like the rumors that Daniel Bryan could be the big surprise in New York City on September 22nd at Grand Slam. I still have hope that Billie Jean King will be there (laughs) just because the whole complex is named after her and it's pretty cool because she's a huge sports athlete in the the history of, of sports for sure. So it'd be a cool name to get there. But as the weeks go by, I, uh, I doubt it more and more. But that was AEW moving over to Slammiversary. Kicks off with Rosemary and Havoc picking up the victory over Fire and Flava to become the new Knockouts Tag Team Champions. I definitely wanted Fire and Flava to retain the championships, but um, Impact needs a lot more tag teams. So I don't really know where this is going to lead to, but we'll see. Uh, next match, we saw Josh Alexander pick up the victory over Trey Miguel, Chris Bay, Ace Austin, Rohi Raju, and Petey Williams in an Ultimate X match to retain the X Division Championship. I think Rohi really shined in this match for the comedic aspect. I liked a lot of those spots that he did. 
Um, the everyone has a submission spot, I think was a bit goofy, but Josh Alexander locking in an ankle lock while hanging upside down from the scaffold rope, I thought was awesome. Petey Williams doing the Canadian Destroyer while Josh had Chris Bay in the electric chair position, I thought was cool. And then, uh, Chris Bay and Josh Alexander were fighting up at the top. They both had the championship in their hands, but Chris Bay fell, leaving Josh Alexander there with the title by himself to retain. After this, we saw Matt Cardona team up with a mystery partner who we found out was, in fact, Chelsea Green. They defeated Brian Myers and Tennille. <laughs> I, they had everyone fooled. It's like the most obvious answer, obviously. But I thought there was no way in hell it was going to be Chelsea. But we saw during the match, Tennille low-blowed Matt Cardona. He ended up having a cup that said always ready on it. And uh, Chelsea Green used her cast to low-blow Tennille, then hit the unprettier to pick up the victory there. So it's cool to see Chelsea Green back in Impact. She's a former champion. She'll definitely be needed in that knockouts division. After this, we saw W. Morrissey pick up the victory over Eddie Edwards. I didn't really like this match. Morrissey used a chain to pick up the victory. I don't think he needed to cheat, but he definitely needed the victory. But I assume this means that we'll just see more of this feud. After this, we had a vignette, Long Live Drama King. And I popped big time for that because obviously the Drama King is Aiden English, and I'm a big fan of Aiden English, so to get him in Impact Wrestling will be fun. After this, we saw Madman Fulton and Shira come out arguing, and Scott Demore came out to announce a tag team match. Brings out Finjuice. Finjuice picks up the victory over Shira and, and Fulton. Super random setup. Really quick match. Shira and Fulton argued throughout the match, so not much took place there, but it was a quick New Japan pop there. Chris Saban picked up the victory over Moose. Didn't need this match at all. After this, Good Brothers picked up the victory over Violent by Design, the former champions now. Rich Swan, Willie Mack, and Fala and his mystery tag team partner since TJP was injured. That being No Way, the former No Way Jose. So months of teasing <laughs> finally paid off for that. But the last thing I wanted to happen was for the Good Brothers to win the tag team titles. And, and that happened in this match. My favorite part of this night was definitely seeing, well, of this match, I should say, was No Way Jose. And I really liked his theme song. I don't know what it was. I couldn't find it on Twitter. I couldn't find it on YouTube. My, my Spotify didn't pick it up. So. I don't know what that will be, but I'm happy that No Way is in Impact Wrestling as well. After this, we saw Deanna Perrazzo defend the Knockouts Championship against a mystery opponent. Who's it going to be? Will it be Chelsea Green? No, because she was injured as we thought, but no, she turned out to be the first mystery surprise. Will it be Awesome Kong? Will it be uh, one of the Iconics? No. It turned out to be Thunder Rosa and Deanna Peraza retained the championship. I was not expecting Thunder Rosa at all. I wouldn't have expected Thunder Rosa at all. But 
And I feel like I picked the mystery opponent to win, but Deanna Perrazzo has a match against Fabi Apache at Triple Mania. This match I enjoyed the most of the whole night, 100%. Afterwards, though, Mickey James showed up. Another surprise. Invited Deanna Perrazzo to empower the NWA. I think it's the all-women's pay-per-view. But Deanna Perrazzo told her to grab her trash bag and leave, and then Mickey James kind of knocked her down. I thought it was a weak segment. I wasn't a fan of the aftermath. I don't think it was necessary. But they also announced Bound for Glory on October 23rd in Las Vegas. They teased AEW, AAA, and New Japan, and the fans went nuts on Twitter, which makes no sense because they're already working with AEW, AAA, and New Japan. So maybe it's just going to be more involvement. I mean, New Japan, we saw um, Finjuice, the closing, AAA, Black Taurus is in the company, AEW, the champion is the AEW champion, which goes into the main event. Kenny Omega picks up the victory over Sammy Callahan in a no-disqualification match to retain the Impact Championship. A lot of hardcore spots in this match that I didn't, I didn't care for most of it. We saw Kenny throw salt in Sammy's eyes, so naturally, Sammy hits a pile driver on Hebner, who was in the ring, as if Omega was in the ring when it happened. I thought that was dumb. But it takes out the referee, and Omega then takes out the replacement referee. The Good Brothers make their way out. Chris Sabin and Eddie Edwards fight them off. The ref, it's a no-DQ match. Why was the ref needing to have a ref bump? I don't understand that part. Sammy Callahan introduces thumbtacks into the match. Don Callis distracts him. And Kenny, for whatever reason, it doesn't make sense to me, he rolls his knee in the thumbtacks. Commentary puts him over like, oh my God, that's so smart. If you're putting thumbtacks in your own knee, it's going into your knee, not your opponent's knee, especially... When you're going to hit a V-trigger on Sammy Callahan, it's just going to go further into your own knee. That doesn't make sense to me. But he hits the one-winged angel onto the tax to pick up the victory here. I was shocked to not see Generation Me. I thought for sure they were going to show up at Slammiversary. That didn't happen. But the Elite all throw up the two-sweet afterwards, and the lights go out. Bullet Club leader Jay White shows up, and they tried to two-sweet him as well. The Impact logo comes up. You hear D'Lo Brown say, oh, here we go, Finn Juice. And then the feed just cuts. And apparently Finn Juice attacked Jay White, and I, I think maybe the Good Brothers as well. That's maybe the most Impact ending possible to not only have your show cut out, Even if it was meant to happen, that was absurd. But to also end on a superstar that's not even in your company is bizarre. As far as people excluded from Slammiversary, I think Rachel Ellering should have been on this pay-per-view. I think Jordan Grace should have been on this pay-per-view. And I think Macklin should have been on this pay-per-view. But all in all, I really enjoyed uh, Slammiversary. I was happy to see the fans back. They definitely added to it uh, for most of the show. Some of the show they felt kind of dead. 
But uh, overall, I was happy with it. Could have done without them teasing for weeks all the release talent surprises, only to not really have that delivered. But I was I was happy with the surprises for the most part, and uh, happy with Slammiversary. But moving over to Impact TV, it kicks off with Chris Bay picking up the victory over Rohit Raju. Shira got involved behind the referee's back, but that didn't really play too much into that. And I thought this match was really fun. I'd like to see them have more matches together. I think they work really well together. Afterwards, Jay White greeted Chris Bay backstage and uh, pretty much offered him a spot in the Bullet Club. And Chris Bay said that he walks alone. At Slammiversary, something I guess that we didn't see was Jay White leaving a Bullet Club t-shirt inside Chris Bay's locker room. But after that, Mickey James came out and said that Slammiversary didn't really go the way she had hoped that it was going to go. So she called Deanna Perrazzo out and offered her a spot on Empower again. Perrazzo said that Mickey needs her. She doesn't need Mickey. Gail Kim came out and said that she asked Mickey James to come to Slammiversary to offer Deanna Perrazzo that spot. Mickey then asked Deanna Perrazzo to come to Empower again, and she accepted. We had another Drama King vignette, which is awesome. I, I can't wait to see him debut in Impact. Next match, Matt Cardona teamed up with Jake Something and Chelsea Green to pick up the victory over Brian Myers, Sam Beal, and Tennille. Caleb with a K got involved, but Taylor Wilde ripped him off the apron. She's been gone for like two months or so. She's another person who probably should have been at Slammiversary. But I had higher hopes for this match. I just thought it was too short. Um, But yeah, it's still cool to see Chelsea Green back on TV wrestling. The losing team, however, was interviewed later on about homecoming, the, the homecoming tournament. And Brian Meyer said that Tennille is under his learning tree. And she said, there's absolutely no way she's under his learning tree. And she's not going to be teaming with him at Slammiversary uh, at homecoming. So now Brian Myers has to find himself a partner. And I guess Tennille, I mean, she has Caleb with a K, but who knows? After that, Eddie Edwards challenged W. Morrissey to a parking lot brawl. Morrissey joined him. He also, uh, after they brawled a little bit, he he ran off. Not much else to say about that. But I'm sure that'll get turned into a, uh, I think that's actually going to be a match next week. Or at homecoming. One of the two. Jay White, we saw explain why he's in Impact, and he referred to himself as the real belt collector. And he's in Impact for David Finley. And he also said that he wanted to come by, say hello to Bullet Club fans. Bullet Club fans being the elite. Good brothers um, were only people who could be relevant when they were associated with the Bullet Club, according to Jay White. And then he denied them rejoining. The Elite came out with Don Callis, basically said that Bullet Club was now basically just a t-shirt company. They said the original was much better than the current lineup. 
and that Jay White should be asking them to join the elite. And then Jay White brought up how beating uh, he beat Kenny Omega the last time they were in the ring together. And the good brother said that Jay White should be more thankful for them. And it led to a brawl. Jay White was beaten down. Chris Bay, however, makes the save. And later on, Good Brothers lay out the challenge. Good Brothers versus Chris Bay and Jay White next week. We saw Josh Alexander get interviewed about the X Division, which was interrupted by Kenny Omega. So that could definitely lead to a match there. And perhaps Josh Alexander is the one that takes the the Impact Championship from Kenny Omega. I think that would be a huge thing for Josh Alexander. I know he's the X Division champion right now. But he could probably hold both. Next match, Finn Juice picked up the victory over Ace Austin and Madman Fulton. It was a good match. Ace and uh, Madman Fulton attacked Finn Juice after the match. And Finn Juice, they start to get the upper hand. But Rohit Raju and Shearer run down, attack them, take them out. I thought we were going to see a, a, a tag team make the save there for Finn Juice. But ultimately here, what disappoints me is that Jay White didn't come out here at all. Jay White said he's literally there for David Finley. And then didn't interact with David Finley here. After that, Rich Swan and Willie Mack spoke about Violent by Design. I guess apparently Violent by Design blamed them for losing the titles at Slammiversary. But Rich Swan told them to, to come find them. Willie Mack said that they'll be in the middle of the ring next week. And then Violent by Design hacked their way in because I guess they can do that now. And beat them up. And then accepted the challenge for next week. And speaking of challenges for next week, Moose demanded another match with Chris Sabin, and Chris Sabin accepted that. And then Scott Demore made the match. Main event saw Rosemary and Havoc pick up the victory over Fire and Flava to retain the Knockouts Tag Team Championships. I I feel like there's just too much rematch booking for championship matches in, in Impact. I don't think I needed this match. And they definitely needed a new Knockouts tag team to debut or something after this. They, they don't have enough tag teams here. Like, how many times are we going to see the same match? But that's Impact Wrestling. Hey, Brandon, got any shout-outs? Hi, Billy Mays here. If you're looking to remove a stain, then listen to Brandon's shout-outs. The first shout-out goes to Space Jam 2. I saw so many people trashing this movie. But I enjoyed it. What did you like about it? Like, first of all, Space Jam is one of my favorite movies, so I had super high hopes for this. And I just, I think it's good. It's what you'd expect from an updated Space Jam movie. It had fun moments, it had great cameos, and... uh, don't spoil any cameos. I'm not. I'm not. I'm just saying it was great cameos. I mean, obviously the trailer was filled with a bunch of cameos. Yeah. Um, the old, there's only two cameos I care about. There's only two. Bill Murray <laughs> and Michael Jordan. Those are the only two cameos that I care about. Anybody else, 
I don't care. You see, I had Unless four cameos that I was hoping for. What's but that? I, I, that's all I'm going to say. You were hoping for four? Yeah. At least you four were... different cameos. I'm not going to say if we got them. For? I'm not going to say if, if oh, we didn't get them. gotcha. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, those are the only two that I care about. <laughs> but uh, I enjoyed it, and uh, I think people are just, like, annoying when it comes to stuff like that. The soundtrack sucks. Absolutely garbage. Well, God I mean, you can't really... You, you can't had be, a, a pump-up-the-jam cover and... from Lil Uzi Vert. Not needed. Ugh. But uh, that's my first shout-out. The second shout-out goes to Rookie of the Year. I watched it over the weekend. Definitely another favorite movie of mine. It's just such a good movie. Yeah, there's no way that... I I don't know. I challenge anybody that says that they don't like that movie. I didn't even... Maybe I knew, maybe I didn't know. Daniel Stern directed it. I wasn't aware of that. Maybe I was. I don't remember being aware of it, but... He's fantastic in the film. I, I know every time I would go on vacation, I would try to get stuck in between the adjoining doors. <laughs> the that, hotel room. That's why I, I started I started laughing over here to myself, and that's that's the scene I was thinking of where he got locked between the doors. <laughs> I feel like I feel like we've done that on vacation. Uh probably. I wanna Definitely. say if there was anyone ever locked in between the two doors, it would have been you. Yeah, me. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. But the last shout-out, sticking with movies and everything, it's going to Adam Sandler. I watched Happy Gilmore this week. I watched some of Grown Ups 2. It led into NXT. I'm just, I'm such a fan of his movies, regardless of how bad others, like, other people think they are. Mm-hmm. Like, I liked Jack and Jill. I'll stick up for any Adam Sandler movie because at some point you understand that it's like going to be goofy, but it's still to me very enjoyable. I don't know. I think that Adam Sandler has had his duds. Uh, I mean, you I think he's had that, his but I still winners. enjoy those duds. Those I don't think he's had duds. a good, I don't know. I, I like mean, Hubie Halloween. That was the most recent one on Netflix. It reunited him with, uh, why am I blanking on her name now? Julie Bowen from Modern Family and Happy Gilmore. So that was cool. But those are my shout-outs. Now it's time for our... Our... is right our mark out moment of the week dave what do you got oh what do i got um so i have to go with nikki cross winning that money in the bank briefcase i did not expect it i saw everybody up there they had seven people up there i think all brawling and battling and out of nowhere, you got Nikki Cross going up there and grabbing that briefcase and winning it all. And then she just quickly scrambles out of there. So I, I marked out huge for that. 
How about you? You know, uh, before I go on to mine, come this weekend when you're in Atlantic City, WrestleMania 4 and 5 emanated from right near where you're going to be. Oh, yeah? Boardwalk Hall, so you could definitely walk outside and check out that building. That's still standing. Very but cool. Very my cool. mark out moment of the week, Mattel, man, by come next week. We're recording right now this mark out moment of the week. We're recording on Wednesday. Come Friday when they were when they unveil more from San Diego Comic Con, I'm sure I'll add next week. But Mattel unveiled its new crowdfunding WWE project, which is an ultimate edition new generation arena that comes with a diesel figure. And I marked the absolute heck out over this because like the ring even has wood planks, whether or not it's actual wood, I think it might be plastic, but it actually has the wooden planks that you would put under the canvas. And if it gets 5,000 backers, it'll be made. It's 250 bucks. I think a hundred percent it'll be funded. And I believe the more people that back it, the more tiers you unlock and they teased mm-hmm. uh, 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 they had doinks hammer there as well. So I have to believe that either we'll get an ultimate doink figure or dink perhaps never mm. before ma- made figure was dink. So I think that would be cool. But this arena, the it's the old neon new generation entranceway. It, the, the lights, on the entrance, they they light up and everything, and I think that's super cool. If you could forgive the the old WWF logo not being the WWF logo and being the actual like the WWE version of that logo, yeah, then I think it's a fantastic set, and I can't I wait to see from, what else you get from more backers. I agree. From the the look of it, it looked incredible. You know, it looked like the only thing. I mean, it's expensive. Yeah, but but again, you know? it, like the more you, I think a a ring by itself with a figure would be like a, about a hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. A ring like that, maybe even a hundred ten. Then you add the entrance. I don't know how much you have to add to get to that two fifty, but we know that there's tiers that you get to unlock. So I don't know how many like the final countdown of of actual figures you get, but I'm sure that it could eventually add up to that 250. Mm-hmm. They also showed off uh, a few weeks ago already uh, for San Diego Comic Con a Sergeant Slaughter figure, an Ultimate Edition Sergeant Slaughter figure that comes in in LJN style packaging. And that looks fantastic. They have a, a a rare variant black card version as well. I think that would look super nice with the signature on it. So I marked for that the other week. But that's really ultimately it for the markout moment of the week. And that's ultimately it for episode 546. Hey, Thanks so much for listening. You can check us out, markingout.com, Apple Podcasts, Ditcher Radio, Spotify Podcasts, Twitter at Marking Out, at BTTG161, as well as David PTDPT on Twitter and Instagram. Chris Sweendog, Marking Out 11 on Instagram, Facebook.com slash Marking Out, YouTube.com slash Marking Out 11. 
Um, use the code regardless to get yourself 20% off and free shipping over at manscaped.com, twitch.tv slash marking out, prowrestlingtees.com slash marking out. You can purchase the brand new t shirt on that website. And we wish you the. the. Your future, future endeavors. endeavors. Have a fantastic week.